Chapter 47 of The Deluge, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Deluge, Volume 2, by Henrik Schenkiewicz. Translated by Jeremiah Curtan, 1835-1906. Chapter 47. Two weeks later it was boiling in all Taurogi. On a certain evening disorderly parties of Boguslav's troops came in, thirty or forty horsemen in a body, reduced, torn, more like spectres than men, and brought news of the defeat of Boguslav at Yanov. Everything had been lost, arms, horses, cannon, the camp. Six thousand choice men went out on that expedition with the prince. Barely four hundred returned. These the prince himself led out of the ruin. Of the Poles, no living soul came back save Sakovich, for all who had not fallen in battle, all whom the terrible Babinich had not destroyed in his attacks, went over to Sapieha. Many foreign officers chose of their own will to stand at the chariot of the conqueror. In one word, no Rajivil had ever yet returned from an expedition more crushed, ruined, and beaten. And, as formerly, court adulation knew no bounds in exalting Boguslav as a leader, so now all mouths sounded loudly an unceasing complaint against the incompetent management of the war. Among the remaining soldiers there was endless indignation, which in the last days of the retreat brought complete disorder, and rose to that degree that the prince considered it wiser to remain somewhat in the rear. The prince and Sakovich halted in Roshenye. Ketling, hearing of this from soldiers, went immediately with the news to Olenka. The main thing, said she, when the news came in, is whether Sapieha and that Babinich are pursuing the prince, and whether they intend to bring the war to this region. I could learn nothing from the statements of the soldiers, answered Ketling, for fear exaggerates every danger. Some say even that Babinich is here, but since the prince and Sakovich have remained behind, I infer that the pursuit cannot be rapid. Still, it must come, for it is difficult to think otherwise. Who, after victory, would not pursue the defeated enemy? That will be shown. I wished to speak of something else. The prince, by reason of illness and defeat, must be irritated, therefore inclined to deeds of violence. Do not separate now from your aunt and Panana Borjopahata. Do not consent to the journey of your uncle to Tilja, as the last time before the campaign. Olenka said nothing. Her uncle had, in fact, not been sent to Tilja. He had merely been ill for some days after the hammer-stroke given by Prince Boguslav. Sakovich, to hide the prince's deed from the people, spread the report that the old man had gone to Tilja. Olenka preferred to be silent on this before Ketling, for the proud maiden was ashamed to confess that any man living had struck a Bilevich. I thank you for the warning, said she, 
after a moment's silence. I considered it my duty, but her heart swelled with bitterness, for not long before Ketling might have enabled her to avoid this new danger. If he had consented to the flight, she would have been far away, free of Boguswal forever. It is really fortunate for me, said she, that this warning does not touch your honour, that the prince has not issued an order for you not to warn me. Ketling understood the reproach, and uttered a speech which Olenka did not expect of him. As to what touches my military service, to guard which my honour commands, I will accomplish that or forfeit my life. Other choice I have not, and do not wish to have. Outside my service, I am free to provide against lawlessness. Therefore, as a private man, I leave with you this pistol, and I say, defend yourself, for danger is near. In case of need, kill. Then my oath will be at an end, and I will hasten to save you. He bowed and turned toward the door, but Olenka detained him. Cavalier, free yourself from that service. Defend a good cause. Defend the injured, for you are worthy to do so. You are honourable. It is a pity that you should be lost on a traitor. I should have freed myself long since and resigned, said Ketling, had I not thought that by remaining I might serve you. Now it is too late. If the prince had returned victorious, I should not have hesitated a moment. But when he is coming back conquered, when perhaps the enemy is pursuing him, it would be cowardice to ask for dismissal before the end of the term itself will free me. You will see sufficiently how people of small heart desert in crowds a defeated man. This pistol will send a ball even through armour with ease. Ketling went out, leaving on the table the weapon, which Olenka secreted at once. Fortunately, the provisions of the young officer and her own fear proved groundless. The prince arrived in the evening with Sakovich and Patterson, but so crushed and ill that he was barely able to hold himself on his feet. Besides, he did not know well whether Sapieha was advancing or had sent Babinich in pursuit with the light squadrons. Boguswav had overthrown, it is true, the latter in his attack, together with his horse, but he dared not hope that he had killed him, since it seemed to him that the double-handed sword had turned in the blow on Babinich's helmet. Besides, he had fired before from a pistol straight into his face, and that had not taken effect. The prince's heart was aching at the thought of what such a Babinich would do with his estates should he reach them with his Tartars, and he had nothing with which to defend them, and not only his estates, but his own person. Among his hirelings there were not many like Ketling, and it was just to suppose that at the first news of the coming of Sapieha's troops they would desert him to a man. The prince did not purpose to remain in Taurogi longer than two or three days, for he had to hasten to royal Prussia to the elector and Steinbock, who might furnish him with new forces, 
and employ him either in capturing Prussian towns or send him to aid the king himself, who intended an expedition to the heart of the Commonwealth. In Taurogi, he had to leave some one of the officers to bring order into the remnant of the army, ward off patriot peasants and nobles, defend the property of the two Rajivils, and continue the understanding with Lohenhaupt, commander-in-chief of the Swedes in Zhmuj. With this object, after he had come to Taurogi, and after a night's rest, the prince summoned to council Sakovich, the only man whom he could trust, and to whom alone he could open his heart. That first good day in Taurogi was wonderful, when the two friends saw each other after the ill-starred campaign. For some time they gazed on each other without a word. The prince broke the silence first. Well, the devils, they carried the day. They carried the day, repeated Sakovich. It must have been so with such weather. If I had had more light squadrons, or if some devil had not brought that Babinich, twice the same man. The gallows bird changed his name. Do not tell any one of him so as not to increase his glory. I will not tell, but will not the officers trumpet it? For you presented him before your boots as Banneret of Orsha. The German officers know nothing of Polish names. It is all one to them, Kmichitz or Babinich. But by the horns of Lucifer, if I could get him. I had him, and the scoundrel brought my men into rebellion, besides leading off Glovbich's troops. He must be some bastard of our blood. It cannot be otherwise. I had him, and he escaped. That gnaws me more than the whole lost campaign. You had him, prince, but at the price of my head. I tell you sincerely that I would let them flay you if I might make a drum out of Kmichitz's skin. Thank you, Borgus. I could not expect less from your friendship. The prince laughed. But you would have squirmed on Sapieha's gridiron. All your scoundrelism would have been fried out of you. I should have been glad to see that. I should be glad to see you in the hands of Kmichitz, your dear relative. You have a different face, but in form you are like each other, and you have feet of the same size. You are sighing for the same maiden, only she without experience divines that he is stronger and that he is a better soldier. I could manage two such as you, and I rode over his breast. If I had had two minutes' time, I should be able to give you my word now that my cousin is not living. You have always been rather dull, hence I took a fancy to you. But in these recent days your wit has left you completely. You have always had your wit in your heels, and therefore you swept away in such fashion before Sapieha that I have lost all fancy for you, and am ready myself to go to Sapieha. On a rope? on that with which they will bind Rajivil. Enough! At the service of your highness. It would be well to shoot some of the noisiest of those horsemen and introduce order. I commanded this morning to hang six of them. They are cold now and are dancing stubbornly on the ropes, for the wind is fierce. You have done well, but listen. Do you wish to remain in the garrison at Taurogi? 
for I must leave someone here. I do, and I ask for that office. No one can manage better. The soldiers fear me more than others, for they know that with me there is no trifling. With respect to Lohenhaupt, it is necessary that someone be here more important than Patterson. Can you manage the rebels? I assure your highness that the pine trees of Jmud will bear weightier fruit than the cones of last year. I will form about two regiments of infantry out of the peasants and train them in my fashion. I will have my eyes on the estates, and if the rebels attack one of them, I will throw suspicion immediately on some rich noble and squeeze him like cheese in a bag. At first I shall need merely money to pay wages and equip the infantry. I will leave what I can. From the dowry money? How is that? That means from the Bilevich money which you took out of the dowry for yourself in advance. If you could only twist the neck of old Bilevich in some polite way, it would be well, for it could be done easily, and he has my letter. I will try, but the point is in this. Has he not sent the note somewhere, or has the maiden not sewed it into her shift? Would you not like to discover? It will come to that, but now I must go, and besides that cursed fever has taken all my strength. Your Highness, envy me for staying in Taurogi. You have a strange kind of wish, but if you, meanwhile, I should have you torn apart with hooks. Why do you insist on this office? For I want to marry. Whom? asked the prince, sitting up in bed. Panana Borjobahata. That is a good idea, an excellent idea, said Boguslav. I have heard of some will. There is a will from Pan Longin Podbiapienta. Your Highness knows what a powerful family that is, and the estates of Pan Longin are in a number of districts. It is true that the Moscow troops have occupied some. There'll be lawsuits, fights, disputes, and attacks without number. But I will help myself, and will not yield one point to any man. Besides, the girl has pleased me greatly. She is pretty and enticing. I noticed in a moment when we captured her that she feigned terror, and shot at me with her eyes at the same time. Only let me stay here as commandant, and from idleness alone the love-making will begin. One thing I tell you, I will not forbid you to marry, but listen well, no excesses, you understand? That maiden is from the Vishnyovetskys. She is a confidant of Princess Griselda herself, and because of my esteem for the princess, I do not wish to offend her, nor do I wish to offend Pan Zamoyski. There is no need of warning, answered Sakovich, for since I wish to marry regularly, I must make regular approaches. I wish you might get a refusal. I know a man who got a refusal, though he is a prince, but I think that that will not come to me. That eye-cutting gives me great consolation. Don't tell that man who got a refusal not to give you horns. I will give an addition to your shield, or you will receive a surname, Sakovich Rogati. She is Borjo Bogati, and he is Bardzo Rogati. You will be a chosen pair. But marry, yes, marry, and let me know of the wedding. I will be your best man. 
fierce anger appeared on Sakovitch's face, terrible without that. His eyes were covered for a moment as if by smoke, but he soon recovered, and turning the prince's words into a jest, he said, Poor man, you are not able to go downstairs alone, and you make threats. You have your Panana Bilevich here. Go your way, skeleton, go your way. You'll nurse Babinich's children yet. God break your tongue, such a son. You are making sport of the sickness which came within a hair of killing me. I would you were enchanted as I was. What enchantments are there here? At times, when I see how everything goes in the natural world, I think enchantment is stupid. You are stupid yourself. Be silent. Do not summon the devil. You disgust me more and more. Would that I were not the last Pole who has remained faithful to your highness. For my loyalty, you feed me with ingratitude. I will return to my dens at home and sit quietly awaiting the end of the war. Oh, give us peace. You know that I love you. It is grievous for me to see that. The devil thrust this love for your highness on me. If there is enchantment in anything, it is in that. The starosta told the truth, for he loved Boguswar really. The prince knew this, and therefore paid him, if not with strong attachment, with gratitude, which vain people ever have for those who do them homage. Therefore Boguswav agreed willingly to Sarkovich's plans touching Anusha, and determined to aid him in person. In view of this, about midday, when he felt better, he had himself dressed and went to Anusha. I have come because of old acquaintance, said he, to inquire after your health and ask if the visit to Taurogi has pleased you. In captivity one must be pleased with all things, answered Anusha, sighing. The prince laughed. You are not in captivity. You were taken together with Sapir's soldiers, that is true, and I gave orders to send you here, but only for safety. Not a hair will fall from your head. Be convinced that there are few people whom I respect as I do Princess Griselda, to whose heart you are near and the Vishnyovetskis and Zamoyskis are connections of mine. You will find here every freedom and every care. I come to you as a well-wishing friend, and I say if you wish to go, I will give you an escort, though I have few soldiers myself. I advise you to stay. You, as I have heard, were sent here to seek property willed to you. Be assured that this is not the time to think of such business. And even in time of peace, the aid of Sapieha would not avail in these regions, for he could act only in Vityebsk. Here he can do nothing. I shall not touch that affair personally, but through an agent. You need a friendly man, and a drot esteemed and feared. If such a man were to take up this matter, surely he would not let people thrust straw instead of grain into his hand. Where shall I, an orphan, find such a protector? asked Anusha. Precisely in Tarogi. Your Highness would be pleased yourself. Here Anusha put her hands together and looked so prettily into Boguslav's eyes that if the prince had not been wearied and broken, he would surely have begun to think less sincerely of Sakovitch's cause. 
but since he had no gallantry in his head at that moment he said quickly could i do it myself i should not entrust such a pleasant office to any man but i am going away for i must go i leave in my place as commandant of tarogi the starosta of oshmiana pan sakovich a great cavalier a famous soldier and a man so adroit that there is not another such in all lithuania so i repeat stay in tarogi for you have no place to go to since every point is full of ravagers and ruffians while rebels infest all the roads sakovich will protect you here sakovich will defend you sakovich will see what can be done to obtain those estates and once he undertakes the affair i guarantee that no man on earth could bring it to a favourable issue sooner he is my friend therefore i know him and i will say only this if i had taken those estates from you and afterward learned that sakovich was coming to oppose me i would give them up of my own will for it is dangerous to struggle with him if pan sakovich would be ready to come to the aid of an orphan only be not unjust to him and he will do anything for you for your beauty has touched his heart deeply he is going around sighing now how could i touch the heart of any man she is a rascal the maiden thought the prince but he added aloud let sakovich explain how that happened only do him no wrong for he is a worthy man and of a noted family therefore i do not wish that disdain should be shown such a person end of chapter 47 recording by david granville young